Uh, now is the time for the leader to qualify. Um, my name is Cindy. I'm compulsive overeater. I live five minutes from here, and I still manage to be late. Five minutes, and um, I was almost here, and I had forgotten my pictures, and they just. They're so important to me, and I didn't want to share without them. So um, I I just want to show this was me when I was in third grade, and um, I teach third grade now. I have four more years, if you count this year of teaching, and I, I keep this near me in my classroom because my feeling about compulsive eating is that it's a child, and um, I've named the child within me more. Um, her name is Moore, and, and I literally do talk to and um, connect to, I should show you. This is so literal. I'm like always the teacher and bringing in my um, materials with me. Okay, so I've shared it before, but I bring this little tiny Cindy part of me, and it wasn't easy to find something I could fall in love with, but I did. And I um, have one in my classroom. I have one wherever I go because um, I, I can't be in the world without it. I'm really, um, I come from a very, very intensive um, overeating background, and you'll see that in my pictures. Um, there's two things in here before I pass them that I want to say. Um, one is that my mom died uh, two years ago, and I, I was of service and I was programmed. I did, I did well in what I was supposed to do for her, but I didn't get that like complete high evolved recovery that other people have with their parents. I still felt the same way, but my behavior was really appropriate. And when she was dying, I kept like wanting her to just once before she goes, I just was like, can you just once, I want you to say I'm sorry. And that week that she was dying, I found a card from her and the card says, I'm sorry. And um, the card's 30 years old and I I found it the week that she was dying. So um, the other thing I want you to see before it's passed around to you is that um, it takes me a really long time to get over many things. I'm someone who holds a lot of grudges and keeps a lot of anger. Um, And my dad... It was um, 10 years after he died that someone sent me a picture of us dancing. And I don't know why, but the picture of us dancing melted every issue I've ever had with my dad. And then I kept getting more pictures of us dancing. And then I got more pictures of us dancing. And so um, these are just huge recovery for me. I came to program to get thin. I never did get thin. The problem is that I have a lot of dysmorphia with my body. Um, I still go to a maternity section when I go to shop. I still go to the um, 1X and 2X, and I never weighed those weights. But in my head, you'll see my mom, my grandma, and my great-grandma were all about 100, 150 pounds overweight. And from the time I was little, there were diets in our house, the, the grapefruit diet. And by the, I was put on the shots, pregnant women urine shots, when I was only 14 years old. And um, I looked, I weighed in high school this. This is what I weighed in high school. My parents were trying, they would tell me, no one is going to love you. No one's going to marry you. No one's going to, you're not going to get the guy. You're not, I mean, it was just the most horrible, like, you need to lose weight. You have to lose weight. We'll pay. We'll pay you money to lose weight. 
We'll fly you to Hawaii. We'll give you whatever you want if you just lose the weight. And, and my mom, who weighed like 300 pounds, was telling me to lose weight and, and didn't take care of herself and didn't wash her hair and, didn't, and was angry and bitter and mean. And, but she was just focused on me losing weight. And she was a um, professional gourmet chef and studied with Cordon Bleu and had big parties. But I wasn't allowed to have it. It was too fattening. You're not allowed to have it. So, of course, I was a sneaky eater. I would eat it in the garage. I would eat it in the bathroom. Um, they tried to hide candy. I would find it. Then I would try to replace it. Um, I'm, I'm going to be 58 years old this coming Tuesday. And um, my program now is the same bottom line that I want, which is to love myself. I'm a really self-loathing person. It's just now getting better because if I look at this part of me, I can never be mad at her. I could never blame her. I could never be angry at who she is and what she goes through. And so I'm learning now to have inner kindness. Um, it's really, really hard for me. The other thing is I do bring notes, and I need to tell you that when I, if I don't, I have very severe memory loss, and I won't, I won't be able to keep my concentration um, I was once at a magician, um, the Magic Castle. I was, at, I was at a place where they'd bring you up on this huge stage, and it's a really big deal. And I was up there, and this, this magician did this unbelievable, crazy magic trick with cards. And then at the very end of it, he put it in front of me, and he said, was this your card? And I said, I don't remember. <laughs> and he, he said it was the best laugh he ever got. And he actually, he actually thanked me afterwards. He said, that never happened. And, and my husband, my husband who was in the audience, yelled out, do you see what I go through? And we, we were the show. We were the show. Um, so at 13 years old, um, I went away to visit a cousin. I was there for 10 days. I gained 10 pounds in 10 days. Another time um, when I was 14, I was hospitalized for abuse from a boyfriend. I gained 30 pounds in 30 days. And that was at 14. And it's never left me, the issue of weight, body, um, food, all of it. I, I can't tell you that I ever got to what I came here to get. Um, but what I got was, like, so much bigger. Um, I, I started um, abstinence 13 years ago in October. Um, I've gone back and forth with abstinence of no sugar, no flour. No, I just can't be that restrictive. I've, I've done it for some time, and I end up being um, too crazy at parties and social things. So um, the one thing I've never, ever, ever, I don't know why, I've just never taken back up again is gum. And um, my jaws used to hurt from it. Every moment that I wasn't eating, I was chewing gum after school. So you can't chew gum if you're teaching third grade. Um, so when school would be over, I would literally have cases of bazooka bubble gum that I kept in my car. And I would constantly chew these bubble gum, and I would blow big bubbles. And it would be, it's just a child. It's a child. i got to have more. The child of more. And um, I was in my absence that first year, and I went off of gum. And I literally had not stopped chewing gum since I was really little, as far back as I can remember. And within one week, I had um, chest pains. My arm was numb. My tongue was numb. 
And I went to the emergency room at Cedars, and they really are fast about thinking you're having a heart attack. And I went in, and they did all these tests, and then the doctor said, have you ever had an anxiety attack? And I was so ashamed. I was so mortified. Like, I wanted him to say, you just had a massive heart attack, not, have you ever had an anxiety attack? And, and I, I said, no, no, I've never had one. And he said, well, is, has there been anything going on in your life? that's been particularly difficult. And I'm like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> there's no fucking way. I'm going to tell him I just stopped eating bazooka bubblegum. Because, <laughs> I mean, only you would understand that I could be put in the hospital the week I give up some kind of a addiction. It's that hard and that intense. Um, so I want to say that what, what it's like for me now, because um, I was suicidally depressed probably like... 14, well, it has to, in 2001, this was how depressed I was. In 2001, when 9-11 happened, an overwhelming peace came over me. And the reason was I was really excited that we were going to die soon because they got it in New York, LA's next. And I, and I was telling my husband, don't worry about anything. Everything's going to be fine. And in my head, it was because it's going to be over. It's going to be over. I'm not the one who has to make it over, but it's going to be over. And um, the depression and the suicidal depression lasted until I came back into program. And, um, and then in program, oh, my gosh, I've, had, um, I've always had a sponsor. I've always come back. Those are the two things I can tell you, and I don't shoot gun. There's not much more I can tell you I do. But I always have a sponsor. I always come back. I don't give up. I don't stop trying. Um, when I um, had a sponsee, she had her higher power were um, these angel cards, and she would share her experience with them. And so I actually got a higher power from a sponsee who, who was into these angel cards. And, um, and in, the, in that period, um, I would... I would go through these cards when my mom was sick in the hospital. That's when it first started. And I would stay overnight in the hospital, and I would sleep next to her in the bed, and I would stay with her. And um, I kept just reading these messages of love and angel cards and kindness. And I keep them near me at home. I keep them near me where I teach. I keep them near me um, as a higher power. But that need for more, it just never, ever leaves me. And... um, I have two sons, and one of them has a brain like mine. And we were on a vacation once, and he, it said this big sign on the sauna. It said, um, use a quarter of a cup. And so my son got a really giant cup, and he filled up the cup, and he poured it in the water, and he burned his hand on the sauna. And we went to the emergency, and the doctor said, but you saw the sign that said quarter cup. And he said, but more is better. And he really was like, that's not enough. A quarter cup couldn't possibly be enough for the sauna. And even a sign that gives you a warning wouldn't make us stop to think that we don't need more. Um, for me today, program is my community. It is my family. Um, I came here to get skinny. It didn't happen. But what I got here is such a miracle of my life. So, so from the angels, I went to a seminar once and um, 
I was told I have to do art, which I forgot, um, but I couldn't go home a third time. So um, I, I forgot to bring the art. I was going to show it, and I donated it to program, and it's all 12-step art. And I, and I went back to college and started taking art classes in college. Everything that happened to me that made my life better was so pivotal from program. And um, years ago, it's like 13 years ago, it was in my first year of abstinence, and there was all this pressure with testing, and I helped a little boy during testing, and the proctor in the room reported me, and um, I had to appear before a panel, and I almost lost my job, and and I it was just so devastating and so humiliating and so horrifying, and I went into the bathroom and I called my sponsor, and I said I've just been called in, and I'm in a lot of trouble, and she said, this is marvelous. I was just like, what? And she said, you have no karma left. It's instant. You do something you're not supposed to do. It happens instantly. And it really, truly did work that way, and it still does. And I was thinking, driving here, rushing and speeding, I was thinking, please don't give me a ticket. Please let me get to the meeting. Don't give me a ticket. And then I was like, I'm going to make it. And then the building's closed with the parking. I'm like, it wasn't this way three years ago when I came. Like, something changed. So I had to go over there. But, um... Okay, why did I tell you any of that? Let me think, let me think. Parking, it's gone. Teaching. Okay, okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I was, I was, um, I had appeared before the board. My, my sponsor said it was good. Just be honest, be honest, be honest. And so when I appeared, I just said, I'm so sorry. It was a mistake. I'll never do it again. I give you my biggest amends. And then um, about... I don't know how many weeks later, it was my birthday, and I was out with my friend, and I got a job on my birthday at a new school that was a performing arts school, and you can tell I love to perform, and um, I've been there ever since, and that came from program, from being dishonest, and then back to being honest, and then being this, and then back to being honest, Um, and I, um, let me see what else I wanted to tell you. I've grown up in um, in most. I'm gonna say not all, but I'm still like I, I used to not pay bills, and I would like I would just think that they should know that things are hard for me, <laughs> and they and they should just like go. Oh, we got it. You you don't have to pay bills like everyone, and like they'd just keep coming, and then they'd have red letters on them, and they turn from black to red, and I I mean it really took me a long time to grow up. I grew up here. I used to be late for my job. I used to get in trouble. I don't, I really don't. I, there's, and if I do, I get caught immediately. Immediately. I mean, so being with you just keeps me on a path of, of kindness and growth. And um, you never know where this program will help someone else. And I brought both of my sons to some meetings. And my one son, when he was 12 years old, he went to a sleepaway camp. I picked him up at the camp. He's in the car, and he said, there's two girls in the camp whose moms are drug addicts. And he said, I'm taking them to a meeting this week. He's 12, 12 years old. He took them to Alamon. He helped these girls. His girlfriend is, a, is um, sober in, in AA. Um, it, it, just, it just ripples. The goodness, the kindness, the love, the acceptance, the growth the community, um, I still have an automatic self-defeat. I'm really, really working on it. Um, and 
if I come to you, I know I'll keep getting better. I'm, it, it is really slow. I have to say I'm not a fast learner. Um, I'm trying right now to, I still have character defects in um, being very judgmental and, um, and holding grudges. I'm horrible with gossip. I just horrible. I can't, I don't want to be with people. To me, that's the answer to everything. Like, if, if you want pure serenity, just avoid humans. <laughs> and I can be at such bliss in my studio and quiet and no people and not bothering. And it's really hard to go out in the world and be with everybody. And, and, because I'm in, my mom's gone, there really is no one toxic in my life. And when there is, it's devastating for me. I went through something with a neighbor devastating, with a friend right now devastating. But I'm not alone, and I'm not trying to fix it all by myself. And I'm just, um, I'm just so blown away at the, the beautiful gifts I've gotten. And before I came here... And when I leave, my husband, before I leave, just says, you're everything. You're everything. Don't fuck it up. You're everything. Be careful. It's like he just knows who I am in the world. I think that's my time. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about meditation because, as you can imagine, since my brain is not able to hold on to things for very long, um, I've been doing a three-minute grounding meditation every day. And the, um, the roots of my feet, I literally picture roots just going all the way to the earth's core, to this light, and that it comes up through my feet, through all of my, my heart, my voice, my everything. And, um, and I'm learning to do it with my students. The first day of school, I gave them clay, and they built themselves inside the circle. And I said to them, this is your boundary, and no one's allowed to cross your boundary. No one. You are allowed to be safe. Your feelings have a boundary. Your body has a boundary. Your desk has a boundary. And this is for me because more often I have this, like, severe empathy, empathic, like, over-the-line um, can't get over things for other people so if someone hurt you like I'll hate them forever that they hurt you and I'll fight for you and I'll protect you but I don't yet um, have it in a healthy way towards with myself it still gets more angry than um, than evolved so I have a sponsor who is who like is at a goal weight who is extremely content very spiritual I'm really close with people in program who are spiritual there's a man at my school I said to him yesterday when I left I just said I just know that you are I just know it's your heart and when you are around someone who is truly trying because no one can be successful perfectly but who is truly trying to be the best self and be of service and be kind it's um, a miracle and with my family um before program, my husband was not this happily married, for sure. Um, had said, even we made a mistake, I shouldn't have married you, that's how hard it got. And now, oh my God, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, I was neglectful to my children as babies. They've completely, totally forgiven and loved me. Um, I make mistakes, they let me know. I tell them, I want to be a really good mom, and you're going to teach me. I, I don't know how to do it. And they are so good. They're so good. When my son was in high school, he had needed emergency root canal stuff, and I was actually going to therapy. And he called me on the phone. And he said, let me explain something to you. Okay? 
you're the mom, your son's getting surgery, you cancel therapy, and you come to the office now. And I said, okay. And I called and canceled. But if he hadn't told me, I was still keeping my commitment. The doctor said he'll be fine. But his need was voiced. And, and that's what I didn't learn, that if you have a voice, they care. Like if I had a voice, it wasn't, not only did they not care, but they would be mean and just, and just make fun of me. It was just a nightmare to have a voice. So I feel safe and I, um, I get too involved easily and I get into my son's lives and they're just so good. It's just like, not, not, not for you. No, no, not, not, not your business. But they're not, they don't stay angry and, and I know I'm like over the line sometimes and I'm just like, I can't. I just can't help it. Um, but if, again, if I, if I do the meditation, if I show up for the meetings, if I keep doing the art stuff, if I keep calling my sponsor, um, more comes to me, like just presents, just gifts. They just, they just keep coming. And every one of them is amazingly beautiful. And I'm super grateful. And I think that's, that's it. That's all I want to share. Okay, this is a time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Please remember the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not introduce yourself, identify um, being recorded. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. All right. Okay. Questions? Yes. Hi. Um, thank you very much. It's very, so much is like mine. <laughs> the question is, um, you said that your parents said that you would never be loved and you would never marry. So you did anyway. So can you tell me how you overcame that? That is beautiful question. Even though my parents said I wouldn't find love, I wouldn't get married, it happened anyway. I was married once at 21 to an abusive man. I got divorced in nine months. I came home. I was back in college getting my credential, and my sister said to me, um, I found your husband, and this is who you're marrying. And that's why I'm married to the right person. I couldn't. Every man I was with was very abusive, very mean. I had to do an abuse inventory in program and literally go through every man that would hurt me offend me, be mean to me. Um, I'm really shy with men still. I used to only go to women meetings for 25 years because of my issues with men. So you'd have to have my sister. That would be... Because on my own, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And I still would have these issues with friendships. My husband will always tell me, this person's going to really hurt you. Like, he can see it clearly, and I don't see it. So um, it's better now that most of my friends are in program because we're all just... We're all just like really fucked up people trying to help other fucked up people. That's, that's how I see it, and some more than others. But um, I just, he's a really good man and, and a really kind father. And I don't know who I would have been with if it wasn't for my sister. So there must have been something redeeming for me, too, if I had been with him for 35 years. You know, he had to have liked me. He didn't, he didn't get paid to date me or, you know, marry me or any of that. And I'm really, really, really close with his mom. So I did get a mom that I didn't have in my life. So I didn't just get my husband. I was very lucky. Okay. Yes. 
Thank you for sharing. Um, what do you do when that, when that voice starts talking to you in your head today? Is there a practice you you Okay. If, if my voice starts hating me, I literally have to take out and go, can you really abuse her? Really? Like, can you really hurt her, hate her, be mean to her, be mad at her, disappointed in her? Really? And, and honestly, if you ask me how long I've been doing this, weeks. If I came here three weeks ago, I was like in therapy going, I don't even have a soul. I'm soulless. I don't have any, I mean, I'm just very dramatic and very, but this, I believe, is the core of my need. It's that endless, endless need. So um, I have to just keep trying to be loving and kind to her. So the, the self-loathing is my hardest part of being alive. It's the hardest part. Um, yeah. Thank you. Julie. Thank you. Um, how is your creativity affected by your disease and by your absence? Hmm. Um, so here's what I want to say about defects of character. Because if you face the worst of you, you're open to the best of you. So if I look at all that I'm, um, I can't take care of my house. If you came over, you would die of what it looks like. And we have a housekeeper. And like within two hours, everything's everywhere and I'm just all over. So I'm very scattered, very forgetful. But um, okay, I want to try to repeat your question. And I can't remember your question. Okay, if, if, tell me again. How is your creativity? Creative, thank you. Um, okay. So I equate it with the, thank you, so so good. Okay, so I put my character defects, we wrote them all down on paper and I taped them all over me and I, and I took off each character defect and, and was just like, goodbye self-loathing, goodbye whatever and, and I'm trying because if I let go of those, then creative will grow. So creative is, is as slow for me as the, the self-loathing getting over it. Everything takes me a really long time. But the, um, the creative is the gift I feel I got because I was willing to be honest and open and just let go of those things that are just human. You know, like I didn't murder anybody. I'm not a molester. I didn't rob any. I mean, nothing I ever did was worthy of how much I hated myself. Nothing. But I couldn't forgive me and I feel creativity comes from the forgiveness. That's what I think. Mike? Sorry. Go ahead. The first one is the forgiveness for that you're on. Okay, first one is about forgiving my mom. Okay. Um, I'm doing it in therapy, deep, deep, deep therapy, um, holding the baby, saying, I, I forgive you. At my mom's grave, um, we were told by the rabbi to go to the grave and ask for forgiveness. And in that moment, it wasn't, it wasn't hard. It wasn't. But me um, forgiving her, it was really hard. It was really hard. I don't think I've fully gotten there, but I feel... I feel like we're, we're, we're good. We're not great. But like I, I just feel that we both did the best that we could. And my sister was trying to force us to be close at the end. And you can't. You can't just fall in love in the last few weeks and go, everything's perfect now. I just couldn't. So um, 
forgiveness of myself for how I feel about her has to be probably just as big. Because it's guilt feeling, you know, they raised me, they gave me my life, they gave me an education. And because of my parents, my brother and sister are my best friends. Because for us, in a dysfunctional life, we had each other. And that also helped us to be more forgiving. Okay, second question. I was writing down your first. I won't remember. Right. I'm sure I'm not as kind as you are. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, I, the, the bottom line about my profession um, is that I can I can love children and I can get children to love me. Getting them to sit still and learn something is really hard. If I were a camp counselor, I would be the best. But getting them to really sit still and focus on something, and the way that I've been saying it to them is, we have to do what we don't want to do so we can get to what we do want to do. And you can't have one without the other. You can't. So it's really, really, really important. And I have the shortest attention span in the room, so I really like can't be that... And always, this is the worst part about character defects. It's just the worst part is that whatever I hate in myself is so intolerable in someone else. So if I have a student that forgets everything, it's, I'm almost shaking around them. And if I have a student who, um, who loses things and, and is calling out, it's just, it's my character defect. Like they might as well just hold up a sign just going, you know, judgment and whatever it is. Um, but they bottom line know that I love them. They totally know that I love them, and and it's a it's a good relationship. And I get love letters from them, and it will often say, "Even though you're grumpy, <laughs> I I really love you." And that, so they, know, I mean, I'm not patient all the time. I'm better. It's half days now for the next four years, um, and I'm part time teaching. But 24 kids in three hours is really still very hard for me. It's very hard. Thank you. Two questions, and I remembered them both. <laughs> yes. No. 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 I was with my sponsor at a sponsor's wedding, and I said to her, "She has no idea how amazing she is." And and then I, I said I said Yeah, I don't I don't have that. Do I know that I'm amazing? No. Um, I have some tiny moments because of my life that the miracle of my marriage and my sons and my job and those miracles they are amazing but I am still mortified still even now at like just it's hard for me to be self-accepting so no I don't do I know how amazing I am? I love that you've never asked that to someone. That's probably going to be the best part of this day. I'm telling you, I'm going to go home and say, she said she's never asked anyone this question before. Yeah, no, I don't. And I'm like not like this when I'm in front of one-on-one. I'm not, I'm more comfortable in front of hundreds of people than I am in front of one person. I'm very performing oriented and I did not know that until I came to this program. I couldn't talk in this program. I only was used to eight-year-olds or people with eating disorders and that was my that was my base that's all I could do but coming to meetings and like 
people clap. Like, that is so cool. You come up, you get three minutes, no one talks. They're all listening. They clap when you're done. Like, I just, I, I feel excited every time I, I get that chance. Because this is the most loving place I could ever go. Just, no, I'm in love with you. I'm in love, I'm just in love. I love the people. I love the program. Um, yeah, thank you. It's very nice. Yeah. Aren't we done? What time are we supposed to be done? What time? What time? Oh, we go to 9.35 for secretary announcements. Okay, eight minutes. At the back, yes. How long did it take you to get into meditation? Really, really, really long. Um, I've been absent over 12 years. It'll be 13 in October of just never leaving, coming back, doing the best I can. Um, Meditation has been like the last couple of years. Um, my son's into meditation, and we meditate as a family. And before I go to work, he makes me, if he's staying with us, he says, come in, and he does a meditation. And I've been doing this crazy screaming thing at the top of my lungs, and it's been um, really releasing of anger. It almost sounds crazy that that's meditative, but it is to really let it all out. So just not long, last year, year and a half. Yeah. You and God? Me and God. Me and God. Okay, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but I always thought I would write a book that would be called When People Don't Like Me, I Buy Them a Present. Um, I want people to really, really love me, and when people don't, I, I go over the top trying to get them to love me. Thinking that God loves me, um, I, don't, I don't know that I have that. Or that I have, like, I'm in love with God. I'm in love with what's been brought to me through a higher purpose. But I don't feel that, like, God's got my back and God's always with me. And I'm just, I'm so lucky that I, um, I don't, th- I don't know. I think that my therapist says that life is 80% maintenance. So if I'm on a daily basis doing the meditation, doing the, the step work, doing what I'm supposed to, then I can feel more free, and that's love. So, but I don't have that, like, it's me and God. I'd say with the angels, um, I, do, I do have an imagery of, there was one of those Marvel superhero movies where all the characters of um, superheroes made a big, giant bubble, and they covered this area, and I picture that around me as a force field that, like, is impermeable. You know, nothing can get through it. And it's the boundary thing for me. That was it. Okay. Oh, no way. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) I have five more minutes. Okay. Carol, and then you. Thank you, Carol. You you shared uh, you came here to get sin and that never happened. Correct. Um, you have people that are listening on the podcast. Oh. So um, I I would appreciate if you let them know. That's fair. Your weight because I look at you and you're not as weight, but you're not. Right. Okay. So all I heard was that I'm not a twig. That's the part I heard. <laughs> I didn't hear anything else. Okay. Go ahead. 
Okay, so um, your actual numbers and your when I came, I'm about five one. When I came into program, I weighed around 150. I got as low as 128. Um, I'm now in the 140s. I would say I'm a size uh, 10 on top, 12 on the bottom. So I have two bodies, and um, <laughs> and I those are normal sizes, and they're in the normal women's department. And I don't really understand why I walk in and feel like Oof, I should be in that size six or I don't know. We were out with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, and we're both married over 30 years. And I said, I'm 25 pounds more than the day I got married. And she said, me too. Like, so what? Like, it was just so, like, we look good. That's what she was saying. And I was so envious that she felt that, you know? <laughs> like, I'd love to feel that. Um, and I... I look at the pictures of my mom and her childhood, and she was also a normal weight as a child and didn't get obese till adult years. Um, it hasn't changed as much as I would love my. It hasn't. Um, I've done outside things like freeze the fat, and it hurts so much. Um, I've done some stuff out. Yeah, no. Not, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, but John Case says I'm normal, so. That's everything. Yes? You mentioned that you tend to hang on to things like that. Did that make some events difficult? Like Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not... Okay, so the question is... I'm supposed to say the question. I, of course, forget that. If I, if I hold grudges... How do I make an amends? Is it make it more difficult? And, and I did have a sponsor say, I don't want you to make it if you don't mean it. And then I had another sponsor who said, you need to make it whether you want to make it or not. So I don't know which sponsor was right, but um, I'm very mafia. You're dead to me. You're just dead to me. I'm very mafia. And especially if it's someone that hurts my kids. Oh, my God. I've never forgiven the boy that hurt my son in kindergarten. They're now 23. Um, still won't forgive him. But I don't feel like I make amends to the people I've held grudges. Really, who are they? Who's that hurting? You know, me holding on to being mad at people hurts me. So that's the reason that I don't want to. Um, I had a grudge against my sponsor for like five, six years, and I came up to her and I told her about it. And then she like told me the, the reality of what happened, and I was just like. I've been mad for six years and it's, that didn't even happen. Like, I didn't have the information and I was holding a grudge. So I, I do think that the real view is God's view. Like, there's your view, my view, and the real view. And I only know that. I'm, like, very much like that. So um, I made amends to my mom, but I didn't feel in love with my mom. But I did. I, I, I was good to her. I was really good to her. That was the best I could do. Um, it must have because I don't have any more around my childhood abuse stuff um, in the four step inventory the biggest amends always is just to forgive myself um, but I've written a letter to someone and I'm really really upset with them and I'm reading it every day and I keep begging my sponsor please let me send it please I really want to send it. She needs, she needs to read this. And she's like, let's wait. And let's wait. And so I'm waiting. So it, before program, I would have sent it the second I finished it. So I'm better. Better. Okay, okay are we now? Time. There it is. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs>